2, verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lies of the truth. Who is a liar, but he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he hath acknowledged the Son, hath the Father also. Let that therefore abide in you, which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he hath promised unto us, even eternal life. These things are written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as, as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear we may have confidence, and not be ashamed of him before not be ashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. Let's pray a moment. Father, I love, I love you tonight, and I love your word, and I sure do love this church. And Lord, I'm glad there is a group of people that desires to hear what thus saith the Lord. And I'm not here to entertain or just to educate tonight, but I'm here to expound these verses and try to get some help and encouragement and strength for our lives. So help us tonight, God, we pray. I'm nothing without you. And Lord, help me to walk through these verses carefully. And Lord, uh, not get bogged down where I don't need to get bogged down. But Lord, help me to properly explain and apply the passage to our lives. What you do, we'll thank you. And we'll give you glory for it. If we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen and amen. The days that John wrote this epistle of 1 John, the date is around A.D. 90, meaning that the Lord had ascended back to heaven some 60 years before. Thus, theoretically, the church was not far removed from the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was not far removed from the day of Pentecost, and it was certainly not far removed from the ministry of the Apostle Paul. But even, they, even though they were that close to those days that we feel like, man, the days of the book of Acts, uh, the days of the ministry of our Lord, even though uh, they were so close to those days, truth was still coming under attack. Thus the days we, living in, we are living in are not abnormal to the church, but rather the church of the living God since its uh, beginning in the book of Acts and its uh, going forward in the, throughout the epistles, the church has always and the truth has always uh, been under attack. Uh, somebody said, well, ain't it terrible uh, that the church is under attack now? i got news for you. The church has been under attack. I'll tell you, the devil was trying to kill the literal body of Christ back here 
here in Matthew 2 with Herod, okay? And he'd done that, at the, trying to do that at the whipping post, and he, got, and he thought he got it done at Calvary, but three days later he rose again, and I thank the Lord for that tonight. Uh, but the body of Christ, the church, has always been under attack. It is nothing new in 2024. And thus with these believers that John is writing to, he is writing to them to give them some truths for these times. And I want to preach on this thought out of these verses tonight. It is a heavy subject, and it is a deep subject, and I'm going to try to walk through these verses carefully. But I want to preach on this thought tonight, Antichrist and apostasy. Antichrist and apostasy. The word antichrist. Now we've got to we've got to define a few things here, and, and so if you'll listen and say amen and nod your head, and let me know you're getting it. I won't get bogged down, okay? But we know that during the tribulation period, the antichrist singular will come on the scene, and he'll have all the answers for the world. Uh, he's going to commit the abomination of desolations, which is he'll go and sit on that temple uh, there in Jerusalem, declaring himself to be God, uh, declaring himself to be the. Messiah. Messiah. That is the abomination of desolation. The Antichrist is a literal person whose body uh, will be possessed by none other than the devil himself. Are you with me on that? All right? So we do know that. But watch what John said in verse 18. It is the last time you've heard the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, plural, that whereby we know it is the last time. So what does the Antichrist mean? Well, the prefix anti has two definitions. I think this is in your notes. It means against or instead of. I think it may be later on down in your outline. It means against or instead of. And truly, uh, that's what the Antichrist will be during the tribulation period. He is going to be against Christ, and then he is going to be instead of Christ. Well, in the day and age we're living in, there the spirit of, of Antichrist is already in the world. And I'll say more about that in a moment. And then I want to define the word apostasy. Now, the word apostasy is not found in your King James Bible. But the word apostasy means an abandonment of what one has professed or a faith that one has abandoned that he once believed or seen to believe. And so I want to deal with these verses tonight about Antichrist and apostasy because it is where we're living at in 2024. Y'all ready to dig in? Notice first of all, well, Brother William is. The rest of y'all just hang on for the ride, all right? Let me give you four things tonight. I think i got four things in the outline. Give me four things out of this quickly tonight. First of all, in verse number 18, there is the declaration that is important. The declaration that is important. Little children, it is the last time. And as you've heard, the Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. John is making a declaration in this verse that is vitally important. Why is it important? Well, first of all, in verse 18, we note the age, the age, A-G-E, the age we are living in. Little children, it is the last time. The phrase, the last time, this began. When did the last days begin? So I said, boy, I tell you, we're living in the last times. We're living in the last days. Well, the last times didn't begin when Obama got in office. I know a lot of Baptist preachers that think that, but the last days didn't begin when Bill Clinton was in office. Somebody help me, all right? I'd take Bill Clinton or Barack Obama right now over the Yahoo we got in the White House right now. Amen. At least they could get to a speech. 
Amen. And find their way off the stage, you know. I mean, which, do I go this way? Which way is the ice cream? Okay. Uh, uh, so so that, that is not when the last days began. The last days began the day that Jesus ascended back into heaven. In fact, here's what John said. John said, little children, it is the last time. We are living in it now. Paul will write to the young preacher Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and said, this though also in the last days perilous times shall come. And that is where we're living at tonight. We are not, somebody said, well, I'll tell you, how oh, these last days just got bad. No, they've been bad since Jesus went back into heaven. They were throwing Christians to the lions uh, during the, the 80s, 90s, and, uh, and, and 100, all those years, they were doing that then and, and the, and the uh, aggression against the church has always been there. Why? Because it is the last times right now. The age in verse 18. Notice the affirmation in verse 18. And as you have heard the Antichrist shall come. I won't spend much time here because I dealt with it, but the term Antichrist is only used in the Bible by John. 1 John 2.18, also in verse 22, 1 John 4.3, and 2 John 7. It describes three things. It describes a spirit in the world that opposes or denies Christ. It, it defines itself as false teachers who embody this, this spirit, and it also a person who will head up the final world rebellion against Christ. Warren Wiersbe wrote that. That is what Antichrist means. It means that he is against Christ. Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians that that Antichrist, he will oppose God. He will exalt himself just like Satan did in Isaiah chapter 14. John would define the Antichrist. What is Antichrist? What is the spirit of Antichrist? Look in verse 22. You still got your Bible open? Look at your Bible, please. Verse 22. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. But he that acknowledge the Son hath the Father also. And so, what, what is the definition of Antichrist? They deny uh, that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. So you got the age in verse 18. You got the affirmation in verse 18. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere. But then we have the arrival in verse 18. Watch what he says. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard of it, the Antichrist shall come. Here's the arrival. Even now, that now is A.D. 90. That now is 60 years after the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what the now is. Even now, there are, are there many antichrists, plural. Now, does that mean there's a bunch of one-world rulers running around the world right now? No, that's not what he's saying. John is saying... That, that spirit of Antichrist is already running around the world and ruling around the world even now. And so, so notice the survival of this. In this context, John's congregation, he was primarily speaking to those churches that were fighting against Gnosticism. Do you remember me talking about that? Gnosticism was a false doctrine uh, that was sneaking into the church uh, there in John's day. And this false teaching, they denied that Jesus came in the flesh. So I said, Preacher, what's the big deal about denying that Jesus came in the flesh? Because if He didn't come in the flesh, that means He didn't die and rise again. 
And that means we are still in our sins. And that means we're in a whole heap of trouble. So this is a big deal. The fact that the, Jesus, the Bible said in John 1, 14, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as that the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Honey, I believe with all my heart tonight that Jesus was born in Bethlehem. He had a human body. He grew up 33 and a half years old. They nailed His hands and feet to a cross. Uh, they thrust a spear into His side. Uh, they put a crown of thorns on His head. Uh, they beat His back uh, with a cat of nine tails. They buffeted Him. A literal body. A literal fleshly body. They done that. I believe that tonight. And I believe that man was the Lord Jesus Christ, the very Son of God. But anybody that denies that has the spirit of Antichrist. I'll take it a step further. First John 4, 3, later on in this book we'll see it. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And that is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now it is, it is already it is in the world. Now listen to your preacher tonight, and don't, don't turn me off because I'm fixing to hit some of your favorite televangelists. But that verse where he says that if they deny that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, that indicates the gospel. Why did he come in the flesh? To die and rise again. That is the whole purpose of it. So listen. There is a preacher that preaches that there are other ways to get to heaven, that there are other ways to get to God other than through Jesus Christ. That man or that woman has the spirit of Antichrist. I don't care who they are. I don't. I, I don't. I, I, I really don't. It's the truth tonight. It, it is the truth. Let me. Let me. I've read this to you before, but let me read it to you again. There was a man that was interviewing a preacher. And he said this, Tell me, what is the future of Christianity? The preacher responded, Well, Christianity and being a true believer, you know, I think, I'm quoting him, I think there is the body of Christ which comes from all Christian groups around the world or outside Christian groups. I think everybody that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they are conscious of it or not, they are members of the body of Christ. And I don't think we're going to see a great sweeping revival that will turn the, turn the whole world to Christ any time. What God is doing today is calling out of the world a people for His name. Whether they come from the Muslim world, or the Buddhist world, or the Christian world, or the non-believing world, they are members of the body of Christ because they are called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, but they know in their hearts they need something, and they know that they don't have, and, and they and they don't have, and they turn that they know they have, they need something they don't have, and they turn to the only light they have. And I think they're saved, and they're going to be with us in heaven. The man doing the interview responded by saying, What I hear you saying is that it is possible for Jesus Christ to come into a human heart and soul and life even if they are born in darkness and have never been exposed to the Bible. Is that a correct interpretation of what you're saying, sir? He responded, Yes, it is because I believe that. I have met people in various parts of the world in tribal situations. They have never seen a Bible or heard about the Bible. They have never heard of Jesus. But they believed in their heart there was a God, and they tried to live a life that was quite apart from the surrounding community in which they lived. 
The man said, that is fascinating. I'm thrilled to hear you say that. There is a wideness in God's mercy to which the man responded, there is, there definitely is. The man doing the interview was a man named Robert Schuler. The man that gave the answer I read to you tonight was Billy Graham. The greatest evangelist America has ever known, people claim. But you heard that Billy Graham said there are people who are saved that don't know Christ, that have never seen a Bible and don't even know His name. That is the spirit of Antichrist. I thought he'd get quiet right there. Well, I've heard him preach. Yeah, if you'd heard Judas Iscariot preach, you'd have thought he was good too. Somebody said, well, you're just trying to attack a dead man. No, I'm, I wish independent Baptists would quit idolizing the fellow. Somebody said, we need another Billy Graham. No, we need another Apostle Paul. Amen, that's what we need. I'm telling you tonight, and, and that spirit of man, Joel Olstein said the same thing. He has the spirit of Antichrist, and he is unconverted. What I like to hear him tell his funny stories. Well, listen to Jerry Clyer then. At least Jerry Clyer is saved. Joel Olstein ain't. This is yes, nod your little Baptist head up and down so I can hear the marbles rolling around up there. This is the spirit of Antichrist. I'm not on a witch hunt tonight, but I'm, ta- I'm taking this book right here and I'm laying out what the book says. There's the acknowledgement, verse 18, and whereby we know that it is the last time. You know what's amazing? That crowd that's always stuck on those TV preachers, Joel Steen and Billy Graham and all that crowd, they don't never call them when they're in the hospital. They don't ever call that crowd when they have a prayer request. But they want to take all, get all their doctrine and get all their belief from that crowd on TV instead of the preacher that labors in the Word faithfully, walking through Scriptures expositionally every week. They'd rather listen to some Yahoo on TV that's the only thing he's after is their money. You're welcome, friend. Amen. If those men are preachers and the woods are full of them. I'm going to tell you, you want to, let me just get real. Billy Graham is the biggest compromiser of the 21st century. He started off right, preaching truth, but somewhere along the way, somebody said, well, he didn't get involved in money. Money, ha- money makes the world go round, friend. You have to have money to put on them crusades that he put on. I'm talking millions of dollars. Money makes the world go round. Somebody's paying his salary. Yoking up with Catholic priests. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about yoking up with them and talking positive about them. A Catholic priest is not my brother in Christ. Amen. That is the spirit of Antichrist. I told y'all it's going to take me a while to get through this tonight. If you'd nod your head, I'd go quit, but you ain't nodding your head enough, so I'm going to plow down. What if, somebody said, well, I know they ain't exactly right, but they bring us everybody together. Do you not know that's what the Antichrist is going to do? He is going to bring all these false religions. He he is going to be a guy, Brother William, that the Methodists like, the Presbyterians like, the Catholics like, the Muslims like, the Buddhists like, the Jews like, the Baptists like. And he's going to bring them all together. And boy, he just don't say nothing bad about everybody. He's just so encouraging and such a blessing. That's who the false prophet's going to be. That's not my brother. Amen. Now, before, before you get all upset, bring your Bible. Because I've studied mine. And if you're upset at me, it's probably because you hadn't studied yours. Ron Garris would say, nod your little head up and down. That's what he'd say. Amen. 
So I said, Preacher, that's, that's awful plain. It's what John preached. Now, now let's move on. There's a, there's a declaration that's important, but notice the departure that is illustrated. Look at verse 19. Watch this first word with me, please. If y'all think that was tight, we're fixing to get closer to home. Look at that first word. Somebody say the word, first word of verse 19 with me, please. They. Who's they? The Antichrist in verse 18, that spirit of Antichrist. They went out from us. I love to hear preachers take this verse, Brother Clayton, and preach about people that left their church. I'll tell you the reason they left. They, were out, they went out from us because it was not of us. That ain't what they ain't talking about some grandma that got mad because they got your parking spot. That's not what that verse is talking about. It is talking about the spirit of Antichrist, plural. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For had they been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us, but they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. I'm going to preach till 6.30, all right? So just, just buckle in, okay? That is not talking about somebody that got mad at the preacher because they didn't sing their song and left. That is talking about somebody that has doctrinal issues against the deity of Jesus Christ. In the context, it was the Gnostics that it infiltrated the church. They were trying to sneak in their false preaching and their false teaching. And John said, the reason they went out from us, because there's, their, in your outline, their presence. They went out from us. They were in our congregation. They were in our fellowship. We went to church with them. We fellowship with them. Remember, John is writing to a church. They had fellowship. They had church, just like you and I did. And these Gnostics had snuck into the church, and they had tried to win the confidence of people. By the way, Jude talks about those men that crept in unawares. They just kind of slide in. That word crept in, the word picture is sliding into a pool without disturbing the water. They kind of just slid in. Their presence, they went out from us, but notice their parents, but they were not of us. That little phrase, of us, indicates a birth. He's going to use that phrase again down in, uh, let's see here, he's going to use it again somewhere in this book. I read it today. That little phrase, of us, indicates a birth. Here's what Jesus said. He looked at that Pharisee, there's the, the outline, their presence, and that second subpoint is their parent, because they were not of us. Jesus looked at that crowd and said, Ye are of your father the devil. Well, preacher, I just don't know if I'd say somebody was a devil and there there was a child of the devil. Jesus did. You know, everybody wants Jesus preaching. They want that Jesus that holds the little children on the lap and, you know, pets the little lamb, which there's no verse in the Bible that says he ever petted a lamb. That's the Jesus they want. They don't want that Jesus look at that crowd. I'm going to tell you right now, you're a bunch of children of the devil. You're a bunch of vipers. That's what he told them. There, There was their presence, their parent. But here's the purpose. If they had been of us, uh, uh, hold on, I'm preaching this for the first time too. I've got to make sure I get the right outline in there. Their parent, the proof, I'm sorry, the proof is next. Verse 19. For if they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. Here, John is making, y'all, y'all, y'all buckled up now? John is making a dogmatic statement. In the context, I'm going to give you the context of it, then I'm going to give you the application of it for our church. In that context, John said there were these Gnostic teachers that were in our church, and they left us because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us because they had the right doctrine. But they had the bad doctrine. They, were, they had that Gnosticism. That's what they were trusting in. So let's make the application. In the last five years, we have seen preachers that once held the name Independent Fundamental Baptist Preachers that are now full-blown crazy-matics. 
I call them crazy maddox, charismatics. We have seen Greg Locke was an independent, fundamental Baptist evangelist. He was a staff evangelist for the sword of the Lord. Don't get me started on that. And, and preach, preach for Bobby Robertson. That's, how, that's where he was at, okay? He is now casting out devils. He, is, he left his wife for his secretary. Ain't it amazing how bad doctrine and immorality go together? Hey, I saw a video today where he told his second wife that the reason they had a spirit of death in their home and it's because they had her mama's ashes in the house. So he threw his mama's ashes out in the yard. I've heard of her getting rid of a mother-in-law, but that's the weirdest way I've ever heard of getting rid of one. I'm like, man, and she bought it? Okay. That's the spirit of Antichrist. You want to get closer? A boy from Salisbury, D.R. Harrison, who was an independent fundamental Baptist, and now he is yoked up with Greg Locke. And that's his pastor. He's defending him, believing in women preachers now, believing you can cast out devils and all that. So I said, Preacher, you preached on that a lot. Yes, because there is an illustration right there. They went out from us. You know why D.R. Harrison and Greg Locke went out from us? Because they were not of us. If they had been of us, they would have no doubt have continued with us. They are unconverted men. I don't care if he did say he got saved at Burlington. If they had been of us, they would have noted. Well, I don't know. God's a judge. Would you please quit talking like a sissy? I'm not talking to y'all. I'm talking to these preachers that might watch later, all right? If they had been of us, they would have noted. Did this sound like John? And, oh, I don't want to be the judge. John said, I'll tell you, if they had been of us, they would have no doubt it continued with us. It, it, it's black and white. It's not hard. John had no issue in being this dogmatic, and by the grace of God, neither do I. We're living in a day where people don't want to call names and deal with people and call sin out and call apostasy out. But John didn't mind that. Paul didn't mind that. I don't hate those men tonight. My heart breaks because when I see the direction they're going, I see them in Matthew 7, Brother Tony. Is where I see them. Did we not prophesy in that name? And I didn't cast out devils, and I didn't do many wonderful works. Then will I profess to them, I never knew you. Those are false prophets he's talking to in Matthew 7. And I know this is going around the Internet, and that's fine. If you don't like what I'm saying, my name's William Berenger, and you keep him cards and letters coming. Amen? No, I'm Josh Montgomery, and I approve this message because I'm preaching the Bible. Notice their purpose. Verse 19, I'm hurrying. That they went out that it might be made manifest that they were not all of us. Here's what John said. John said, you better be glad they went out so you could see they wasn't you to start with. They wasn't who you thought they were. I don't, re I don't rejoice in any of that tonight, but it's time that preachers, Brother Clayton, it's time that preachers, we start taking this book and we light it up. That's what the third point's about. Not only is there the declaration that's important, not only is there a departure that is illustrated, Y'all with me? Y'all still good? I'm hurrying. I got 13, I got, no, I got 11 minutes left. Maybe. The discernment that is imparted. Verse 20 and 21. I don't know about you, but I studying these verses this week, Brother Matthew, and seeing the apostasy and this spirit of Antichrist, it bothers me a little bit. Because you begin to wonder, okay, I went and heard that guy preach. I went and heard that guy preach. I thought he was right. I thought he was good. But now he's a nut. 
and he has a spirit of Antichrist, and he has apostatized. But God gives us discernment. What does he do? He gives us two things. Verse 20, he gives us the Holy Spirit. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. He said, hey, church, get your head up. Don't be discouraged. If you're saved by the grace of God, you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. You have the Holy Spirit. In verse 21, you have the Holy Scriptures. He said, I have not written to you because you know not the truth, but because that you know it and that no lie is of the truth. But I, I, I'm telling you tonight, what do we need in these days of apostasy and the days of Antichrist? Oh, when people are backing away from truth and they're revealing they were Judas Iscariot the whole time. What are we going to do? I believe John, Brother Tony, oh, when he wrote that verse, they went out from us. I think he had Judas in his mind that night. He watched Judas walk out of that upper room and he, he heard the money jingling in his pocket that night and he saw that Judas was a devil from the beginning. What is John going to do? Here's what John trusted in. He said, I've got the unction. I've got the Holy Spirit. I've got the Holy Scriptures. Thank God we're not in the dark. Amen. Oh, but we have the indwelling Spirit of God. And we have the inspired Word of God tonight. What do you do with that crowd? You line them up with the book. You listen to this preacher tonight. If I ever preach anything that's contrary to this King James Bible, the Bible is right and I am wrong. Amen. It, it ain't where well, it goes for this person, not for this person. No, this is a litmus test. This is the Word of God. This is the final authority for all matters of faith and practice. I'm passionate about this, you can't tell. We better have some passion about this. Because our young people and our children, our baby Christians who don't know any better, they're getting pulled in because they use King James Bibles. Both of them do. That's one thing they have not changed yet, Brother Travis. They're both still using King James Bibles. I can't figure it out except it's just a tool of Satan to try to deceive good people. Are y'all hearing me tonight? Y'all with me? It's tight, but it's right. Here's the last thing. The discernment that's imparted. But then notice this. Notice the directions that are inspiring. Verses 24 through 28. i got eight minutes. I'm going to finish it up. As John closes this passage, he gives the believers some encouragement how to navigate these days of Antichrist and apostasy. Do you not feel that spirit of Antichrist? They hate God. They hate Jesus. They hate the Bible. And it's not just in the secular world. It's even in the religious world. It's all around us. It's all around us. What do you do? Well, verse 24, there's the continuation. Let that therefore abide in you. Let what abide in you? He said in verse 23, But he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father also. He said, If you believe that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come in the flesh, he died and rose again. He said, Let that therefore abide in you, which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall continue in the Son and in the Father. What is that in the beginning? We've already talked about this. That in the beginning refers back to their salvation, to their conversion. When they got born again, here's what John said. He said, Church, I know it's discouraged. I know it's dark. And I know you've seen people uh, that you went to church with, uh, that you thought were right and true, uh, but they went out and apostatized. I know that bothers you. But you keep on. You continue 
and what got you in. That's what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He talked about those perilous days and those powerless days. But he said, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a holy child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given the inspiration of God and is proper for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. He said, church, you stay with what got you in. What got us in? It was the Word of God being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, wherewithal shall young men cleanse his ways by taking heed thereto according to thy Word. Thy Word of a hid in my heart, uh, that I might not sin against thee forever, O Lord. Thy word is settled in heaven, the grass withered, and the flower thereof fadeth away. Uh, but the word of the Lord shall endure forever. Amen. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I'm glad I got a Bible tonight uh, that'll get me through the dark days. And when I see the Antichrist, and I'll see apostasy on every hand. I'm just going to plant my feet up firmer in the Word of God. And I'm going to read it. And I'm going to believe it. And I'm going to live by it. Because it will get me through these days. He talks about continuation. Then, verse 25, he talks about comfort. And this is the promise that he has promised us. Watch it now. Even eternal life. Why did he give us that verse there, Brother William? Here's why. Because he knew, Brother Tony, there would be some believers in that church that'd say, well, my goodness, if they got out and they wasn't real, then I must not even be saved. John said, don't you worry about that, little children. Don't you worry about that. This is the promise. If you came to him and you believed in Christ and you repented, you have eternal life. Ain't that a comfort tonight? No, listen to this preacher tonight. Boy, I got, my goodness, so much preaching here. No true Christian apostatizes. Brother B.P. Ball, I wrote about him in my new book. Miss Linda, you read that part. He, he made this statement. No one ever stops believing something. Either they didn't believe it at all, but no one ever stops believing something. That's why a true Christian does not apostatize. What's the difference between an apostate and a reprobate? A reprobate is a wicked sinner that God has rejected because they rejected God. And an apostate is a religious sinner that rejected God. And according to Jude, they are sensual and they have not the Spirit. There used to be a day when churches and preachers took a hard stand. They drew a strong line. And said, if you don't line up with that book in salvation and the Lord Jesus Christ, the deity of Christ, then you are not born again. But now everybody's saved. You can't find a lost person anymore. I challenge you, go to a funeral home and find a lost person that died. I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, boy, I'm getting called up. But it's y'all's fault. Y'all are listening good. I, I'm not saying we're to go and be rude at a funeral. I preach funerals of people that I know are in hell. I didn't go in and be rude. I just went in and didn't say one word about them. I went and preached. Let me tell you about how Jesus died and buried and was rose again. 
If the family said they had a testimony of salvation, I may have referenced that, but I've never put anybody in heaven. I've never put anybody in hell. Amen. But I know some preachers, I mean, they're just, everybody's in heaven. All dogs go to heaven. No, they don't. Especially the one we have at our house. Some of y'all need to smile. There's the, I'm hurrying. There's the cause, verse 26. These things were written unto you concerning them that seduce you. That word seduce gives the idea to lead astray. That's what's, why, why am I preaching like this tonight? Why am I preaching so hard, calling names, t- taking names, calling names, kicking down doors, all that? Why am I doing that tonight? Because there are men out there that are trying to seduce the bride. They're trying to seduce the church. They're trying to seduce well-meaning people that love God in the false doctrine. Here's the companion, verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. It's talking about the indwelling spirit of God. And ye need not any man teach you, any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and it's truth, and there is no and there is no lie. And even that is taught you shall abide in him. John takes us back to the ministry and the companionship of the Holy Spirit. John 16, 33, Jesus said, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. For whatsoever you shall hear, he shall speak, and he will show you the things to come. We have the Holy Spirit of God. If you're saved tonight, the Spirit of God indwells you tonight. Church, you have something that the apostles didn't have. You have something tonight that Paul did not have. You have the indwelling Spirit of God and the complete canon of Scriptures. Paul and those apostles on the day of Pentecost, and when Paul got saved, the Spirit of God moved on the inside. But Paul's still writing Scripture. It's not completed yet. But you've got it all. You've got everything God wants you to have to get you through these days. Rejoice. Be glad. Don't say, boy, I wish I lived in the Bible days. No, you've got it better now than then. There's the counsel, verse 28 and 29. John gives us two words of counsel. Abide, verse 28. Now, little children, abide in him. When he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed of him for his coming. Boy, I'd hate to know that I got messed up in false doctrine because I didn't listen to preaching and listen to the Word of God. I ain't saying tonight you got to listen to me and do what I say. You hear me tonight? You better not do things because the preacher said it. You better do it because the Word of God said it. Because if I ever leave or die, then you will, you'll quit doing it because it's just something the preacher said. But if the Word of God said it and the Spirit of God confirmed it, then you ought to die on that hill. And then he said that here, verse 29, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteous is born of him. The phrase born of him means that we are born again. I wrote this down. Saved people do saved people things. Saved people ought to live like saved people. The righteousness in this verse is not speaking of self-righteousness, but rather the righteousness of God that was imparted to our account at the moment of salvation. What do we do in these days of apostasy? Stay in the Scriptures, be filled with the Spirit, and stay in the sanctuary. They're not going to get any better. These are dark days, deceptive days, days where people are getting led astray. It really is. But what a wonderful time to be a born-again believer. Because we are seeing this Bible unfold right before our very eyes. I'm glad I have a Bible tonight. Aren't you glad God's given us His Word? I'm not mad at y'all tonight, but I'm passionate because I don't want these men to seduce the bride. And I'm not just talking about those two men, but there's going to be other men. It's, it's always been throughout the church age. Oh, men have always done that. And I don't want you to get seduced by that. 
God forbid, if I get if I mess up my ministry and I go and I go off into sin somewhere or go off doctrinally, kick me to the curb and you stay with that book. Because that book is right. 